0: What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Entrepreneurism Podcast. I'm here with Eric Malzone. Eric is a leadership and business coach, a podcast host, and the co-founder of Level 5 Mentors. Eric, what's going on, man?
1: I'm, I'm doing well, Brady. How you doing, man?
0: Good, man. Good, man. I appreciate you coming on. Before we talk about who you are as a person, what you've done to grow your businesses, I always ask this first question. What's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on?
1: Nah. Uh, God, I wish I. We should be interviewing my wife right now for that <laughs> question. I, uh, you know, I. There's a lot. There's so many things actually, but I would imagine looking back at what I know and how I treat money nowadays, I would say the first thing I did out of college, I didn't even have a job yet. I just expected I was going to make a lot of money, so I went out and bought a really nice. Uh, Brand new Ford Explorer Eddie Bauer series at like thirty six thousand dollars with no paycheck, and this is back in nineteen ninety nine. So that was a lot of money back then. It was right. also kind of the dot com bust, so that uh, that really hamstringed my finances for you know many years and uh, put me into a lot of credit card debt. Got the boot on the car probably five times, and uh, yeah, even impounded once just because I couldn't make payments. <laughs> <laughs> That was, uh, yeah, if I could go back and be like, dude, just get a beater. Yeah. Spend 600 bucks on a beater and and don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, that that resonates with me. I graduated college two years ago. And, you know, you you graduate college and you just assume when you get a a salary job or whatever, you're like, oh, this is a ton of money. You know, I started out working at UBS, an investment bank for $45,000 a year. And I was in Nashville, Tennessee. I was like, "Oh man, like I'm rich now," right? That's good. Yeah. And I went and got a car and I, I financed $20,000. When you look at it, it's like, "Okay, I just financed half of my annual salary for a car." You know, <laughs> just get a beater, you know, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. So, Eric, you do a lot. You're a podcast host, you're a business coach, you own several businesses. How did you get started in actually being an entrepreneur?
1: So, that would go back to 2008 ish. So I spent after college, which I was just referencing and graduated in 99, went into corporate America, did about nine years of nine to 10 years of corporate sales, sold, you know, uh, recruitment services, radio ads, real estate finance, uh, legal publishing, sold a bunch of stuff. And I was actually did quite well in the latter half of that, that 10 year component. And, uh, but I, I remember going to a, sales conference. It was out in Chicago and I was working for the legal publishing company and I was kind of already being groomed for maybe, you know, the sales manager and beyond, right? VP of sales and up. Um, And I sat in that that room and I looked around and I just imagined myself 10 years from that point and what I would be doing and how miserable I probably would be. Mm. And that was a huge realization. And then that just happened to back up. Until like 30 days later, when I got a text message from a, uh, a college teammate of mine, and it just hey it just said hey man, do you want to open a gym? And I had one beer and about 15 minutes to think about it. I just text back like, yep, yeah, that's <laughs> what I, I want to do that. And it wasn't because I really want to open a gym; it's because I wanted my own business and I wanted right, to take. Right. You know what everyone wants is that freedom of of mm-hmm. being your own boss. So that was it. It was just a realization of like, hey, I don't think I'm a very good employee. Number one, um, you know, I was good at sales, but I drove my managers nuts.
0: Right. And,
1: uh, and then the opportunity crossed. And then that's when those things, you know, that's when the magic happens, I guess.
0: Do you think there's an advantage for people who do work in corporate America and transition over to being an entrepreneur? Because what, what I see is, and I've talked to people like that before, me, myself as well. You know, you, you get this drive that you don't want to be in this place, right? So it drives you to make these risky decisions like you did. To just getting out of that and, and kind of taking that leap. So, sort of reiterate, do you think there's a benefit to actually working in corporate?
1: So I think any honest answer, I've been a coach of, you know, various forms for 20 plus years, right? Uh, the only honest answer is it depends, but that's not a fun answer. So I think, what you're getting is, yeah, I think there are certain advantages to it. I mean, I think about a couple of my mind automatically goes to one avatar of someone who maybe got on entrepreneurship at like 16, 17, right? And just right. made a mentor, start working it out, you know, um, that type of person. And I think about someone like me who spent, you know, time in the trenches in the corporate world and then battled out and how much more I appreciate it. You know, one thing I will say, and it's, I talk about this conversation with two of my clients today, which is really funny. Like, do you guys ever think about sometimes maybe going back and getting a job? They're like every day, like good. Yeah. You That's how, you know, if you're an entrepreneur now, like you're constantly thinking like you fight that urge, right. To do it. So uh, I think there are advantages. I think knowing the structure kind of getting some work ethic and also knowing that maybe you're a little bit more uh, acceptable risk. Cause you always know you could go back, but mm-hmm.
0: you just hate it. Right. Yeah. And, but it leads me to this follow up question, right? Because you know, you're asking your clients, do you ever think about getting another job, which no entrepreneur wants to, it's mm-hmm. really hard to go from being an employer to then being an employee, but it's better to go the other way. But do you think it's good to have a backup plan? You, you hear a lot of people who say, if you have a plan B, you've already told yourself plan A won't work. I don't agree with that.
1: I, I think if you have a
0: family, you have kids, like you've got to have a backup plan because at the end of the day, you got to be able to take care of yourself and put food on the table. But I mean, what do you think? Do you, do you think it's cool to say, hey, I have a business, but if I have to go get another job, I can do that.
1: I think it's totally fine. I think you, uh, I think that's external judgment that as you get mm-hmm. older, you learn to, to ignore completely. It's just, hey, here's the thing. Right now, entrepreneurialism is cool. Right? For some reason, it's cool. Um, it used to be when I was growing up, you were called a businessman, um, businesswoman, business person, um, And that was it. but now it's it's, you know, we've tagged this term entrepreneurialism to a lot of different things. and I mean, we can get I don't want to get into the definitions. that's right. a whole another podcast, but um I think that's kind of cool, but you know what, once again, it depends. Like you can't tell someone that has a family of four, you know, that they're going for it. It actually, it's more brave to me, seemingly that, Hey, you know what, they're just going to eat it, get into that corporate job make sure their family's provided for it Cause they can't have that lapse. Right? right. So I think it's very judgmental to say that. And I don't think it's fair because everyone has individual circumstance and you know what, there's a lot of people who have made significant impact and change and made a ton of money by being number two, three, four, five in an organization right? And being entrepreneurial and having that creative space. So there's a lot of different ways to be innovative. It just depends on what your goals are and um, your personal definition of success. And that's nobody else's business.
0: You know, it's interesting too, because everyone thinks to be an entrepreneur, you have to be the head honcho of a business, which by definition might be true. But I think just like you said, being an entrepreneur, right? It's like, if you don't know if you want to own your own business and to be quite frank, it's, it's a lot of work. It's tough a lot of times, but try going and being the number two, three, four, five, even a 10 because you're still going to be doing the hard ass work that it takes to actually grow a business, but it's not really all on your shoulders at that point. So then you can kind of get a taste of, okay, what's it like? Could I do this myself?
1: Yeah. Yeah. 100% man. And I, you know, here's the thing about, too, is why maybe entrepreneurs are so sexy. I think it's the Silicon Valley, um, you know, kind of their gig over there. It's like they you just assume that an entrepreneur sits around the room of other entrepreneurs and you come up with amazing ideas. You play ping pong and eat popcorn. And that's what your days are. Now, most entrepreneurs, ideas are cheap and easy and oh, yeah. plentiful it's execution. So once you, you select the idea that you want to get after and be very nimble, cause you're probably going to change your business plan 20 times and then have the wherewithal to, to execute it over a five to 10 year vision. That's, that's what the reality is. And it's going to take multiple people. And once you start to realize that, Hey, I'm really good at one or two things and everything else I'm not that good at. And I should probably find people who can help me and compliment me with that that's when you're able to really start to get traction in, in your business. And
0: I think life. another thing too, that makes entrepreneurism so sure. sexy today is literally just social media. Right. Mm-hmm. I think people paint this picture that it's easy, you know, you, and again, like I'm not dogging anyone who posts pictures of them in a car or whatever, like whatever, do you, but people don't see what they had to do to get to that point. You know, yeah. they, they post a picture of them and their family mm-hmm. and they're still working a corporate level job next picture is them in a Ferrari. And you're like, Oh my gosh, just like that, (laughs) you know, but people don't understand, like it's, it's hard. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see, but for you and your businesses, and you do a lot, you know, running a podcast is honestly not easy either. It's pretty time consuming. It can be. Mm -hmm. And then you're basically a business coach. So what's the hardest thing for you that you have to do behind the scenes that you just tell yourself it's part of it. It's what I have to do as a business owner.
1: Yeah, I think at this point that always changes, mm-hmm. um, you know, depending on where you're at and the the growth of a particular business or venture. But for me, it's always prospecting. Um, yeah. You know, if you don't have the critical mass of content out there, that's, you know, um, pulling people in. Uh, then you're gonna have to you have to push. You have to go out there and you have to you have to create opportunities for yourself. And being consistent with that is really the best way. Some people do it in sprints. I'm more of a consistent, grind it out, um, and I do it all over LinkedIn. And now it's finally starting to come back after you know about yeah. a year and a half is when we launched Level Five, and people are starting to get referred in. And it's just getting over that initial hump and doing all of the the crap that you don't want to do because you don't have the budget to hire out yet. So I think that's all that I love the podcasting. That's my favorite part of the day. Um, I love working with my clients. Uh, I wish I could just podcast and work with clients and not have to worry about lead generation and sales, but I've also made a name for myself in sales, which is kind of a trap within itself. (laughs) Right. Everyone's like, well, Malzone will do sales. Right. You know, we'll build this company. I'm like, well, I
0: sure I can do it, but I hate it, Yeah, but I'll do it. Yeah. But obviously you have a mindset around that, right? Like you're doing something you hate. Yeah. How do other entrepreneurs who, and to be completely honest, there's a lot of people out there who say, just do what you love, do what you love. You should only do what you're passionate about, what you love. And I spoke to Bradley, some people know, some not, but he talked about how people need to stop telling people to chase their passions and only do what they love because that's great. But if you're broke doing it, if you're just dead set on starting a business around knitting because you love knitting, you don't make any money. Like, what's the point? I get it. It's fun. But when you're running a business and losing money, it becomes not fun at that point. So how do you frame your mind around doing things you hate? Because a lot of people struggle with that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that follow your passion makes for great memes, but it doesn't really have a place in reality. Exactly. Uh, You know, uh, and that's anybody who's been in it for when everybody has any common sense will question that right away i'd be like oh cool well i hey you know what i'm passionate about skiing so i'm just going to pursue that <laughs> <laughs> like well, that doesn't even make sense um so doing things your question is doing things that y- you don't like to do well uh you know i'm not a huge gary v guy but he did put it really well is that you know one of the th- there's two things there's gratitude and then it's it's very close cut is in perspective and I think every time I'm about to sit down and spend an hour prospecting and grinding now, making new connections, doing all the things that people would probably qual- qualify as hustle. Right. right. So I guess to answer your question, I don't like the hustle. Um, I think there's, there's smarter ways to go about it, but whenever I sit down to do these things, I just remind myself, like, <laughs> dude, I, I had a construction job for three summers. Like this isn't hard, right? Deeking, breaking up rocks was hard. Yeah. Like, that was hard. This isn't hard. Like, this is just a thing that I do. And I, you know, we make all these things up our head. Just So just realize that, like, have some perspective of what you're actually doing and how hard is it really. And not to, not to like, you know, I don't want to downplay people's efforts or my own, really. Like these are legitimate efforts and it takes a craft to do it, but just have a little perspective. Like, Hey, you know, I always think like I could be a Somalian refugee right now. Here I am complaining about to myself about doing some LinkedIn prospecting. So (laughs) gratitude perspective. I think that's a really critical thing. And the other thing is I was just talking to a client this morning and I'll probably butcher this quote because I don't even know where it came from, but I love it. It's like, uh, it goes something like, Entrepreneurs will do the things today, or will do things, will do things that other people won't, so they can live a life that other people can't. Yep. And that that to me is where I'm putting in all the work, and I see, you know, I'm starting the visions clarifying. You're starting to see the big picture oh, of yeah. where this whole thing's going, and it just motivates you. So you got to remind yourself too of where this whole thing's going.
0: Yeah, and and I think there's power too in in doing things you hate because I do think it builds discipline. Yeah. Right. And I think it builds up expectations too, because, you know, what I do outside of the podcast is we staff virtual assistants, but they're not for everyone. Because I think people do it too quick. I think people try to outsource stuff too quick because mm-hmm. they hate what they're doing. So they want to outsource it. That's fine. But they don't even know how to do what they hate doing. So that's the biggest downfall is I think people, you need to be in the trenches because you need to understand how not to do things so that you can outsource it seamlessly down the road, Right. But people people just rush. And that's another thing Gary V says. And, and I never really understood it because he's always like, have patience, have patience, have patience. And you're thinking like, dude, if I'm 50 and I still haven't done anything, like I need to kind of step it up. But I, <laughs> yeah. from my, I think everyone takes it differently. Like just be patient in the grind. If yeah. you're grinding, just be patient because results happen. You just have to be consistent with it.
1: I think one of the challenging, one of the most challenging things when you're on your own in business or entrepreneurship is balancing. It's this constant tightrope walk of patience and urgency that only you can really figure out. Yeah. You have to have patience, but you also have to have urgency. You can't just be like, well, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. You got to do the things today. Mm -hmm. And then you have to be confident that you're on the right path and stick to it for six months. Right. Because you know, you can't just, it's like a great workout plan. You can't, say after six weeks, whether or not this thing's really working, you got to give it a good six months. Right. Yeah. And you just got to let this thing play out, let it marinate, but you got to be consistent with it. And I think there's oddly enough, I think there's so many relations that you can draw between fitness and business, um, that, you know, I, I laugh at it sometimes. like, Oh, there's another one. Like they <laughs> they pop up all the time. So yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it, it's a fine line. You got to walk it all the time. You do have to be patient. You have to let some things grow organically, but otherwise, but you also have to be putting your shoulder behind it you know, constantly pushing it up that hill.
0: I, my business partner says something. I think it's urgency and the micro patience in the macro. Hmm. So that's beautiful. You have this overarching goal, whatever that is, right? Maybe you say, I want to be the best business coach in the world. If you, you're not going to get that tomorrow, right? That's going to be like a 20 year down the road thing. Maybe let's just say 20 years. But I think people, they do it the opposite They're trying to be patient in the day-to-day tasks, but they're trying to be urgent on the overarching goal and they skip things and they mess up and they fail, right? There's a process to everything. I just read a book called Sell Like Crazy. It's really just talking about how to sell online. That's the biggest thing, but I'm always trying to read and just get better and stuff like that, hear different perspectives. He says at the end of the book, he says, you need to map out your action plan for the next 12 months as detailed as possible. And I'm like, shit, that's a lot. (laughs) <laughs> it's a lot of action steps over the next 12 months, but I'm like, you know, I'm going to do it because if I can get really, really cl- clear on what I have to do day to day, there's no doubt that I'm going to reach my goals, my macro goals, you know, yeah. but like I just said, people just rush it. They don't have any patience when it comes to what their overarching goal actually is.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's what we were to earlier when we were talking about, um, you know, the hardest amount of entrepreneurship is an ideas; it's execution exactly. and, uh, there's, you'll probably like this analogy and we use it all the time. You know, my, my colleague Ken got it from somebody. probably got, I got it from him. He probably got it from somebody else, but you know, if, if a plane leaves Boston, and goes to San Francisco, right? What percentage of the time is it actually on course? And the actual exact number isn't the most important thing, but the, the point is that it's about nine eighty 80%, 8% of the time, it's actually on course, which right. means 92% of that flight, even mm-hmm. though you know, you're going to San Francisco, your plane's correcting all the time due to wind or turbulence or, you know, anything, so, you know, mistakes. I and mean, that's essentially an entrepreneurial career. You got to create a vision, right. Of where you want to be, have clear goals on, you know, as much clarity as you can around those goals. And then just know that you're going to course correct all the time, and, but you'll get there,
0: exactly. you're going there. And And that's a great point too, man. Cause you know, There's so many changes along the way. Every single day, things are changing. Somebody that you thought was going to close is just ghosting you. Maybe somebody Mm -hmm. quits. Someone doesn't show up. Like that stuff changes. And like, you know, I'm kind of contradicting what I said is like, yeah, I'm going to map out my 12-month plan, but that 12-month plan is probably not concrete. It's going to change along the way. And I think, and I would assume you're, you're probably, you know, in congruence with this, that one of the major traits entrepreneurs have to have is just the ability to adapt. Yes. Because things change constantly. COVID is a huge example of that. Huge, right? If I'm a personal trainer and I mean, you own your own gym, so I'm probably close to you. How many personal trainers do you think went out of business because they refused to go online?
1: Yeah, it's really sad. Um, yeah, the fitness industry, which I'm still really uh, entrenched in is, is hitting hard. I mean, in the CrossFit world, you know, we've heard estimates that f- at least 50% will never open again.
0: Yeah. And, and probably that you probably can't, it's probably harder to be, I would think an online CrossFit personal trainer because of all the equipment, you know, but I don't know. You, you probably know more than I do about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, here's the thing is there's people who have been in the online space for three, five, seven years already. Um and they are so far ahead of everybody who's trying to make this switch. And now you're starting to get these players coming in. Apple just released their fitness app. And obviously, you know, I think 400 million has been invested in mirror, tonal Peloton over the last, you know, three months. So big players are coming in. You know, if you're a small player, you better be nimble and you better have a niche and you better deliver some really killer experience for your clients. Um, so there's opportunity there, but you know, some people got lucky, right? Yeah. Because they just happened to be in the right spot at the right time.
0: On the topic of, of traits that entrepreneurs need being able to adapt to one, but two, I was on a podcast the other day and, and the individual asked me the same thing and I said, resilience, right? I think being able to just push past obstacles, but the question that he asked me after that, which I thought was really interesting is as resilient as you want to be, and as able to adapt as you want to be as a fellow entrepreneur, when is the right time to quit? It's hard because a lot of people, their businesses are their babies. They've Mm -hmm. been grooming them for whatever their envision is, but a lot of unique cases there's there's times when you do have to step away. So Mm -hmm. for you, if you were put in that position, what would have to happen for you to say, okay, I've got to step away from this. I can't do it anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think for this particular question, I, I think we just have to clarify that. I believe that there's a difference between quitting and letting go. Uh, quitting point. is, uh, you know, this is too hard. I don't want to do it anymore. Right. Letting go is saying, you know, this, this isn't panning out the way I thought it would. Yep. Something shifted in the market. The opportunity I thought was there was turns out not to be there. I gave it a good shot. Let's move forward. Right. And I think, so uh, defining those and and what I, all those things I just said, about like, Hey, the opportunity I thought wasn't there, partnerships, not working, whatever it may be. There's a many reasons, there's a million reasons to let go. And that's just personal judgment. I think that's when a mentor comes into play too, who can, you know, give you some perspective on, you know, whether or not this is worth pushing forward. I've seen a lot of people, um, stick to ideas that just were never that good to start. Right. Or they executed poorly, got themselves in a bad situation. And now that as great as that idea was, it's no longer viable because you screwed it up and you have to take that. And sometimes the best thing can happen is a clean slate and, you know, uh, new, new opportunities arrive all the time. So, yeah, I I don't think there's a clear cut answer to that, but I do think, you know, there's a difference of, you know, uh, clarifying what's, what's your personal quitting, and what's your personal letting go. Mm -hmm. And to me, letting go is just feeling forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a good point, right? Letting, quitting was the wrong word. Letting go is the right word. let's mm-hmm. assume everyone is has been as resilient as they can be and push past every obstacle. But I think, you know, some people come to points where it's like, I can't, there's no way anymore, you know, but the mm-hmm. reason I ask is because there's a level of vulnerability to that. You know, I think everyone wants to be the person who never gave up, never mm-hmm. quit, okay. never let go. But in reality, as an entrepreneur, you're gonna, that's gonna happen probably right? I don't know about you, but I'm 24. We've already started a business and and stopped it and let go, right? Because it just wasn't, it wasn't there, you know, and we, but we understood that early. So I think it's important to be resilient, to be able to adapt, but also just be self-aware and aware of your business, where it's at, where it's going and and the capabilities of it. But Eric, I know we're starting to wrap up here. And I don't ask questions about advice because I think it's such a cliche question and you've already answered or or given a lot of advice throughout this episode, but why do you love what you do? And why is it important for people to also love what they do, regardless if it's their actual passion or not?
1: You can tell at that sigh that uh, there's, there's a lot that's, that's a, that's a big question. I mean, man, here's, here's the deal is we're only on this planet for a certain amount of time. And, you know, I'm, I'm 44 now, uh, when I was your age, uh, you know, I think you say you're 24, 25. I, I thought I would be so effing old, right? At 44. And, uh, you know, now I'm here and I'm, you know, statistically halfway past, you know, or at the half past the halfway point. Um, I'm starting to realize and through, you know, I think there's also certain pain that people go through as they, they accumulate years that give you a perspective of why I'm, what am I actually doing here? And, you know, when you look back, I mean, here's, here's the thing is, let me put it this way. I, I have a three questions I ask myself when I'm forced, when I'm looking at a big, scary decision I call them BSDs, right? Number one, what's the worst thing that can happen? Right. Uh, and that boils it down to the worst case scenario. Number two is 10 years from now. will I regret not having tried. Right. And that one is a very powerful question. You put yourself in a future sense and you look back. Um, last one is, you know, what's the tiniest first step I can take in that direction. So if people are thinking like, you know, should I be following something I enjoy? Right. You got to put yourself in a framework of, well, is it getting me to something else? And then balancing that thing in life of like, well, if I work really hard now, I'll I'll get the reward later. But what if later never happens? Right. So there's no easy answer. And I think it's like, we're essentially boiling down the mystery of life. (laughs) Not to get too metaphysical on you, man, but (laughs) it really is like, Hey, you got to figure out what success looks like for you in life. And then, cause I've known a lot of people who have had multiple billion dollar exits and you would think they're happy. They're miserable, man. Miserable. They look at me and they're like, dude, how did you, how did you get to Montana? How are you skiing 60 days a year? I'm like, these are all decisions I made over my life that led to me where I am. Yeah. And, that's what I value. So understanding who you are, what your values truly are, and don't let it, don't use other people's values. Don't let people tell you that you should value this. You should value that be very clear cut on what you value. And as long as you stick to your decision-making based upon those values, you're going to make the right decision for you.
0: Yeah. So there was someone I interviewed on my podcast named Jeff Seckinger, and he talks about this, you know, he's, he's pretty successful. He's probably a millionaire, but he's able to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Because Mm -hmm. he's built his businesses up that way to where they can run without him. Yeah, You know, people aspire to be billionaires. That's great. Don't get me wrong. But billionaires, in my opinion, are still employees. They work for the shareholders. They work for the board of directors. And they work 80 hours a week. So while that's great that you have a ton of money and you can do whatever you want, you really can't do whatever you want, to be completely honest. You still have to abide by these guidelines. You still have deadlines you have to hit. Right? It's all about that stock price. And if you're yeah. not doing what you're supposed to do as CEO, you're not going to be there. So, you know, I always think about it this way of all the people I know that are in the online space, you know, appearing to live the life that they want to live, are any of them billionaires? No. Elon Musk is great, but he works 100 hours a week. Jeff Bezos is great. He probably works 100 hours a week. So you got to think about it that way. What do you value more? And some people want that. That's fine. I don't. So I think it's, again, you have to be self-aware of what am I shooting for? And how, what tiny step, like you said, can I take now to inch my way forward?
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, I've love to hear you say that. It makes me really happy because it's, it's important. I mean, you know, a level five mentor is mentors, we, we look at five different areas of people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we call them the five freedoms and you know, that's health, time, money, relationships, and purpose. Um, those are five categories of, you want the highest level of freedom and the ultimate goal is what you said. I want to be able to do what I want, when I want with whomever I want. And that's success for a lot of entrepreneurs. It's not the big exit. They want to be the millionaire millionaire next door that nobody really knows. And that's what that's, that that's who I am, right? That's who I aspire to be and um, continue to be. And that's, uh, you know, I don't have a Lamborghini. Um, I got a 2007 Nissan Murano and, uh, but I got some Lamborghinis in my bank account. Right. And that's more important to me because that means I'm, I'm gaining freedom at a different level. Exactly. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's just values, man. It's just what you value. Some people want to work that hard. I guess not me.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing, guys, if you're listening, you really, if you're not an entrepreneur and a lot of you aren't, if you haven't started your own business. What do you want out of your life? not business wise, just what do you want out of your life? Because I think a lot of people, they start a business with no clear goal of how that's actually going to affect their life. When you start a business, it can become your life, but the goal is to not make it your life. So it's just being self-aware, but when you are in the trenches, like we said, be resilient, be able to adapt because those traits I believe are going to help you live the life you want to live right when you're in the trenches. But Eric, I appreciate your time and we talked about a lot, pretty inspiring stuff. I know you mentioned level five mentors. Where can somebody get in touch with you, either on social media or through a website or anything?
1: Yeah, man. Um, I'm taking a little bit of a, a social media hiatus, but I, I'm still on LinkedIn. So you can find me, Eric Malzone on LinkedIn. is probably one of the where I spend uh, all of my social media a lot of the time. Um, level five mentors. So L E V E L, the number five mentors.com. I also have two active podcasts. I have the future of fitness. We should go to futureoffitness.co if you're B 2 B2B fitness industry looking to find information on what's happening now and in the future of the industry. Um, I also just started about two, three months ago, the Black Diamond podcast, which you can find on the Level 5 site or any of the, you know, Apple, all of that. And that's for general entrepreneurship, innovation, um, and just great stories.
0: Love it, man. Yeah, I will link all of Eric's stuff in the description reach out to him via linkedin let him know what you thought about the episode and eric appreciate your time man
1: yeah man thank you this is great yeah
0: appreciate it thank you for listening to the entrepreneurism podcast we post episodes every monday wednesday and friday at 4 a.m central time we would greatly appreciate if you would head over to apple podcast and leave us a rating and review i'm brady morgan your host we'll see you next time